Well, welcome back, beautiful people. This is the Obsessible Podcast, and I, your host, will talk movies and TV like I would with my girls, my colleagues, my booze, and my base. This is episode nine. That means we are literally one episode away from the season finale of season one of this podcast. Like, how wild is that? That's like so crazy to me. It's been so much fun and I have had a great time doing this. Uh, But I have a lot more in store and plan for future seasons of the show, including going to video. (sighs) The anxiety just kicked in even when I said it out loud. Um, Yeah, y'all will definitely be able to see my face. Not sure if you want to, but that does mean it will be easier for you guys to engage with me, me with you. And I just really want to say thank you to all of the people who have been listening since the beginning. If you are new here, welcome to the Obsessible Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, also known as Nikki to my besties. And if you are listening, we are now totally BFFs. We are friends for life. Okay. Thank you for listening. Go ahead. Tell a friend and tell a friend and tell a friend so that we can continue to build this a dynamic and beautiful tribe. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow and share. All right. So on this episode, I made it a mission to try and condense the content. Like I'm really working on getting this down to like 45 minutes to an hour per episode. So that really means um, no more trying to tell you guys about absolutely everything. It's just literally too much. (laughs) There's so much out there to share. And um, it's just like, a plethora of content that is out there in the ether. And so on this episode, I'm going to be discussing one show and one movie per segment. So that's going to be six different properties. I got my maths right this time, because if y'all know, if you guys have been listening, we're friends, you know, maths is not my strong suit. It might take me several times in an episode before I figure out exactly how many shows and movies we're going to be talking about. But uh, keeping it simple, now there are there will be six so it's gonna be expect six going forward okay okay good god we're on the same page so what are we going to be talking about this episode uh so we're going to be reviewing an hbo max original show called white lotus and that's going to be the first show for what was up for movies for what was up we're going to talk about beckett um for what's up now for tv we're going to talk clickbait from Netflix. Um, It was like, it was a mess. And for the What's Up Now movie, we're going to talk Cruella, Disney Plus. For What's Up Next, we're going to talk about a brand new show that just dropped recently called On the Verge. That's also on Netflix. And finally, for the What's Up Next movie, we're going to talk voyeurs from amazon prime that one oh get ready now as for what's happening in hollywood i'll be giving you some updates on awards as we're about to run headlong into award season so want to talk about who's been nominated we also want to talk new trailers premiere dates announcements casting announcements and unfortunately we do have to do um in memoriam for a very very amazing actor So I'll tell you all about that 
in what's happening in Hollywood. To wrap it all up, some hilarious tweets about TV in Twitter Me Laughing. And I chose tweets about clickbait because this show had Twitter pressed, y'all. Like they did not know what was going on. And if I'm going to be honest, neither did I. Which you know I love. So like, of course, it's a win-win. And here it is. We are at the time. You know what to do now. Go grab a snack. Grab a drink. Get comfortable. You already know. Go for a walk. Start. Get on the treadmill. Get on your Peloton. Do what you got to do. Take the dog out. Get in the car. Go for a drive. But anyway, let's get this started. This is the Obsessible Podcast, and I am so glad that you're here. Oh, isn't that the one where the guy becomes limitless? Oh, isn't that the one where the guy becomes limitless? You know what that means. That means it's about time to get into what was up, what's up now, and what's up next. So I have to start this out with probably the most awkward show I have ever seen. I don't know. Even the show Awkward wasn't this awkward. You know, that's saying something because that show was pretty awkward. (laughs) But the first show that we're going to talk about uh, on this episode, I'm going to dive into White Lotus. Now, White Lotus is a dramedy and it is it stars Steve Zahn, Sydney Sweeney, Alexandra Daddario, Jennifer Coolidge, Jake Lacey, Molly Shannon, Connie Britton, Natasha Rothwell, and Murray Bartlett. That is the main bulk of the cast. Molly Shannon pops in for one or two episodes, I think, but everyone else is the main body of the cast and uh, I'm going to keep this review pretty short and sweet because it's not going to be like the rest of the reviews on this episode. I don't really know what to say about this show, except that it is quite funny in a very awkward, please make it stop kind of way. Um, Jennifer Coolidge plays a character. Her name is Tanya, and she's absolutely fantastic in this role. There literally could not have been a more perfect casting for that role. I actually thought it was written for her, but it wasn't. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge actually considered not taking it. I'm really glad she did because no one else could have delivered um, in this character the way that she did. Uh, So that's definitely a redeeming quality. Um, Steve Zahn plays Mark and he's married to Connie Britton's character, Nicole. He is absolutely awkward and hilarious, especially when he's wasted. There's um, an entire episode where he's just drunk off his ass the entire time and it's 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 so tragic. It's so tragic and funny, but tragic, mostly um, painfully awkward. Natasha Rothwell, who you will know from Insecure, um, she plays Kelly on Insecure. She plays a character by the name of Belinda and she kind of has like the best. How did I wind up in this situation energy? Um, but she never actually says the words. It's just everything that she gives is just like, how did I get here? Um, the show is a mess. It's a mess. Um, all you really know right out of the gate is that somebody is dead and you don't know who, you don't know why, you don't know how. You just know that there's going to be a reveal and it'll be that somebody has died. Um, but also let me just say 
that Jake Lacey, who plays Shane, and Alexandra Daddario, who plays Rachel, are a married couple. Newlyweds, they are on their honeymoon, and they are a freaking train wreck of a disaster of a couple. They are not goals. They are more like hell knows. You don't ever want to be in a relationship like this one, y'all. Like, ever. Um, And it's true for me to say this. There are almost really no redeemable characters. Everyone has raging issues, except for maybe Belinda. Uh... And I think maybe her own issue is that she's a little bit naive. Um, but everybody else is just like, what? <laughs> like, that's how I that's how I can explain them. What? Um, from Sydney Sweeney's character Olivia to Murray Bartlett, who plays Armand, everyone is a complete dumpster fire. Like dumpster fire. Uh, I don't know if I've ever said this on an episode, but I really dislike this show. Uh, I have no idea what it was trying to say or what themes are being explored. I hate what happened to Armand. I, even if he was a complete disaster, I hate that Shane was not held accountable for his foolishness. I hate that Rachel didn't seem sure of herself in any capacity. I'm really glad that Belinda realized she wasn't meant to be anyone's savior, but the dynamic between her and Tanya was so funny. But then, like I said, tragic. Um, because it seemed like there was hope, you know, for their friendship, but then it just ended up like being complete BS and Belinda deserved better. Uh, but I will say, you know, it was an interesting and funny watch. I just don't like it at all. So let me just say that again, as I've already said, watch at your own risk, warnings for nudity, full frontal nudity, sex, language, drug use. Um, this is a, this show is an HBO Max original. It's currently streaming on Craving Canada and HBO everywhere else. So yeah, that was White Lotus. For the What Was Up movie, I chose Beckett. And the two major stars are John David Washington and Alicia Vikander. Okay, so the only way I can think to describe this film is like an indie action film with deeply emotional performances. Like, not many action movies will have the will have these scenes that require the star to pull from an emotional well in reaction to something that has happened already in the film. Um, often the only emotion that is displayed is anger, but most of the time we see determination, confidence, and for the most part, arrogance. In addition to the emotional moments, you also have some very intimate camera work that also adds to the artistic feel of the film. This is not your big budget action movie, though I suspect it still costs a pretty penny. The story goes that Beckett, played by John David Washington, finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time, in the midst of a very tragic loss. So he and his girlfriend, played by Alicia Vikander, are on a vacation across Greece, right? They're kind of doing it the backpacker style. And uh, Beckett, on a night drive, falls asleep at the wheel, causing a catastrophic car accident. The car makes its way down this hill, basically like flips and burns its way down, crashes into a house and a very groggy, uh, disoriented Beckett opens his eyes at the end of the crash to see a very shadowy figure of a young boy and a very startled woman removing this young boy very quickly from the room. Moments later, he realizes that his girl's been thrown from the car and appears to have died as a result. This is Alicia Vikander's character. Then everything kind of goes black. Beckett wakes up in a local hospital trying to communicate with the attending nurse because language barrier to find out what happened to his girlfriend. 
the news obviously isn't good. And then he has to be the one responsible for delivering to her parents that she has died, um, at which he can't actually tell them he's so overwhelmed and with guilt that he doesn't actually let them know that she's, she's gone. While giving his police statement, he mentions that there were people in the house. The cop assumes that there was no one in the house. It's kind of like, well, it's a good thing that nobody was there. The house was abandoned. But then he goes on to say, no, there was someone. Well, this is where it all goes left. After he returns to the scene of the accident, Beckett finally finds himself kind of under fire, literally under gunfire and trying to save himself from the local police who he was literally just talking to um, because they're shooting at him. But then also at the same time, trying to encourage him to reveal himself. It's like, oh, no, no, it was only a misunderstanding. I'm sorry that I shot at your head. Uh, sir, ma'am, ma'am, no, let me run up out of here. Like hell to the nizzle. You want me to trust y'all now? It's a no. Okay. Uh, so Beckett is literally caught up in something that he doesn't understand. And his only hope is to get to the American embassy before these people get to him. Things obviously do not go as planned. There are a bunch of twists and turns. But he ends up being kind of like this local everyday man hero, which I think is kind of what the point was. Um, so overall, I would definitely say that I enjoyed the movie as an action film. And having been so disappointed by John's performance in Tenet, I, I feel like he definitely redeemed himself in Beckett. His performance uh, is, like I said, that of the everyman who's just kind of trying to survive up what seems like an impossible situation. Um, it seemed deliberate that he wasn't given any backstory of like military training of any sort or that he could have, you know, been a cop in America, just grief and a will to survive. That's basically all they gave him. Um, so like if you're into action films and I would definitely watch this one, it's currently now streaming on Netflix globally. Okay. So now for the show that literally took Twitter by storm recently and had everybody in the Twitterverse talking and that's clickbait. So the show for what was up, what's up now, sorry, for what's up now is clickbait. Clickbait stars Adrian Grenier, who you'll remember from uh, Entourage, Zoe Kazan, Betty Gabriel, Cameron Engels, Phoenix Ray, Jalen Fletcher, Jesse Collins, among others. Um, so I definitely... I knew I was going to start watching this when I started seeing tweets pop up on my Instagram feed. So Twitter to Instagram about the show. And you know, the folks love a good whodunit. Like the audience, the global audience, everyone's audience loves a good whodunit, right? Murder, murder, murder mysteries uh, filled with plot twists. But the plot twists uh, aside, it was nice to see Adrian Grenier on my TV screen again and not as a character that made him famous. But I guarantee that you will not be able to figure this one out. If you figure this one out, use a liar. Use a liar. There's no way you figured this out. There's no way. Like, okay. You didn't. I'm just going to say. If you've seen it and you figured it out, you didn't figure it out. I, I, I refuse to believe that. Um, this show had me guessing until the very end. And I do mean the literally the last episode. Um, so what happens really quickly uh, is one morning Nick Brewer, who is played by Ad Adrian Grenier, doesn't make it into work. Simultaneously, his sister Pia, played by Zoe Kazan, is at work meeting with a patient who plays a video for her. And it's of a man who's holding up signs that implicate him in some heinous behavior. Well, it turns out the man is Nick, her brother. 
This sets off a massive manhunt for Nick and a media storm of speculation as to whether or not the signs he's holding are true and if the man Pia and Sophie, played by Betty Gabriel, Nick's wife, is who they thought he was. Now that is exactly what ends up being the story for the for the majority of the season. Is Nick who we who the audience thought he was when we first meet him, right? And is he who his family thinks that he was, right? So as the episodes continue, the narrative around Nick um, is that he like is this womanizing, abusive man, and that his family and friends are completely in the dark. And when a killer is finally caught, the family kind of thinks it's all over and solved. Everyone except Cameron Engels, who plays Nick's son and Pia, his sister. When it all is, when it is all said and done, when it was all said and done, I basically was like, this is Nick's fault. Like I was, I was mad at him. Like I was mad at him for what happened to him because for, for how it happened in the end, Everything that led up to the end was not his fault, but the very end, 100% his fault. Like, that's how I feel about it. I would love to hear what you guys think, but that's how I feel about it. Um, and when you watch the show, you'll see what I mean. Like, the truth is Nick didn't have to die. Spoiler alert, he dies. But his actions totally caused that to happen in the end. Furthermore, the fact that a little was done to verify whether the people who were being called to bear witness in the media were legitimate was disturbing. Like nobody backjacked, double checked. Um, the levels that members of the media went to in order to get the story was also extremely disturbing. Like, please don't do these things in real life. Y'all, you will get yourself hurt. Um, and I'm glad that there was a, but I'm really glad that there was a solid ending for this show. And it didn't leave us like hanging like with the show behind her eyes did. Let me tell you something. To this day, I feel sorry for that kid. To this day. Like, what happens to him? Anyway. <laughs> sidebar, right? Anyway, y'all is used to my sidebars. Anyway, Clickbait is a really great mystery. And I think you guys will really, really, really love it. I can't wait to share with you guys the tweets. <laughs> Clickbait is now on Netflix. Globally. Okay, so the movie that I chose for What's Up Now is... Cruella, starring Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, Joel Fry, Joe McRae, John McRae, Mark Strong, Kirby Howell-Baptiste, and Paul Walter Hauser. Okay. I wonder if you guys just heard my belly. <laughs> it just rumbled. <laughs> I gotta eat something. It's late. Um, okay, back to the movie. Look, what do I even say about this movie? It was so freaking good. It was so, so good. It was so good. It was so good, guys. I really, really loved it. Okay, so we all know the story of Cruella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians. More importantly, we know the story overall, like the entire story. Um, and it is the story that made us aware of the villain who tried to abduct the, the puppies and then skin them for a coat. Those precious Dalmatian puppies, like who would ever... Well, this live action version of Cruella is a complete retelling of the story, specifically hers, because even villains, hell, I would go as far as to say, especially villains, have an origin story. If I was going to compare this movie to any other villain origin story I would I have seen, I would say it is more closely related to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker than it is to Angelina Jolie's Maleficent. I would also submit for your consideration that this movie is better than Maleficent. Yes, I said it. It's better. The movie starts where all Disney stories start at the beginning with a young Ella. She isn't a villain yet, but she certainly 
no nonsense and doesn't mind getting into a tangle or two here or there or three or ten. Um, she's already extremely stylish. She is a rogue. She is a rebel in her own right. And young Ella only wishes to do one thing, make her dear mama proud. Something that she seems to be able not to be able to do with any consistency, not for any period of time. She is not able to just keep ourselves quiet, <laughs> as, as people from my culture would say. Um, until one day, her troublesome ways cause a very terrible tragedy. And now Ella is what without a person in the world and she kind of has to fend for herself. Which she does, uh, but not totally on her own, which enters her sidekicks, Jasper and Horace, played by Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser, respectively. Now, if you can picture these characters in your mind from the original animated feature, then you will have the physical embodiment in the actors who were cast to play them. This was just perfection in casting. Mwah! Chef's kiss to the, the casting agents. Like they did a absolute phenomenal job with these two. Ella has managed to find herself a family and that family has basically grew up on the streets of London and all they did was run griffs and every good griff as you know of course needs a costume and this is where Ella excels in helping her little band of misfits step into their roles each time they swindle someone new. The makings of a real fashion ingenue. But even petty criminals have dreams, and Ella's dream is to work for the premier fashion house in all of London, the House of Baroness. Which she does. Her friends, who are her family, see her desires and they make this happen for her. But it is not all that it is cracked up to be. And Ella keeps trying to get the attention of the head guy in charge, which she does, but not in the best way. One night, she gets rip-roaringly drunk and decimates a display window. And that gets her the Baroness's attention. Now, the Baroness is played by none other than Emma Thompson, who is brilliant in almost everything. Where is the lie? Well, Ella, she becomes the it girl of the fashion house. She does it. She becomes that bitch and is even taken under the wing of the Baroness herself. And from this point on, the old adage of never meeting your heroes begins to fulfill itself. The movie is set in the late 60s, early 70s, and even though it's not really trying to be p political and with a very specific message, it still manages to do that. Ella emerging as, as Cruella sparks the punk revolution that emerged in fashion at that time and sets the old guard on fire. This includes the House of Baroness. She chooses every opportunity and takes every opportunity to disrupt the House of Baroness, and she's successful at it, causing the Baroness to reveal herself as the true villain of the movie. But the true genius of the film, and what all of us were looking for in truth, is the tie-in to the original. And asking ourselves of the film, does will it do this? But it does not miss in this regard. It does not miss. The movie is emotional, it's fun, it's funny and no worries. There are no Dalmatians harmed in the filming. Though there are, though there are Dalmatians. I really, really, really enjoyed this one. Like greatly so. You should, you should watch. It's great for family, but the younger kill, younger kids will not enjoy it as much as teenagers and young adults will and adults, adults. Um, especially if you are a creative, it's truly one of the, especially if you are a creative, like if you're a creative person, 
you're going to really, really enjoy it. Um, it's truly one of the best retellings Disney has done to date. Might even have kicked my favorite Cinderella out the window. Look, Kate Blanchett in Cinderella was a monster in the live action remake and the fashion, oh my gosh, the costume design in, in the Cinderella remake was amazing. Like, amazing. Okay, really quick story, really quick story, super funny story. I dragged my little cousin to go see this one. I think she was like six or seven at the time. Now she's like a big woman, so beautiful. Um, And I literally was like, I need to take somebody with me because... I think this might look weird, like me as an adult walking in to go see Cinderella, right? By myself. I shouldn't have cared. But child, listen, I was up in there boo-hooing, boo-hooing, big, bold tears. Like I, I just loved that movie. I loved it so much. I super enjoy it. And every time I watch it, it gives me the same feeling. Like I just, I want to punch Kate Blanchett's character, in the stepmother in the face. I just want to decimate her. But like, oh, overall, I just love that movie. But Cruella back to Corella, uh, really combined so many of the things I love, um, including fashion in this movie. And it was all the things I wanted from a female led film. All of the things, like I've said before, the villain was despicable, like truly terrible, not for any good reason other than that. This is who she is. It held no punches. And I literally, uh, I don't know how they're going to do better in the sequel that is coming. Because you know a sequel is coming. Um, I don't know how they're going to do better, but it was everything I wanted. Female versus female. The villain was a real villain. No, no, nothing to do with like, you know, male energy. Nothing like it was, oh, it was just so good. It was so good. So, so, so good. Uh, Cruella is now streaming on Disney Plus. No additional charges and it's global. Definitely watch that one. So much fun. All right. Next. On The Verge. So I chose, you know, it's okay. So let me, full transparency. When I wrote the review for this, I had not watched the show yet. I have recently finished it. So I'm going to scrap most of what I have said, but I'm going to give you like a really on the fly take on this show. Okay. So On the Verge is the, the first is the show that I chose for What's Up Next. It, sh- it stars Julie Depley. If you've seen American Werewolf in London, um, the or- original, I mean like 90s, 80s, 80s, 90s version, she's in that. That's where you'll know her from. Um, Alexia Landau, Elizabeth Shue, if you watched The Boys um, season one, uh, that's where she's from most recently that I can think of. Sarah Jones, Giovanna Ribisi, uh, Matthew Demi, Troy Garrity, and William Sharp. All right. So this is basically about four best friends that are in their mid to late 40s, um, but not all of them because Elizabeth Shue's character is in her 50s. Um, so these are these are women in the second half of their life. Uh, okay, so I, let me just tell you, I was like... This show isn't about how out of touch they are, although Julie Depley's character is a little bit out of touch. Um, it, it, I also said, you know, it, it reveals that there's more to life, more life to be lived. This is true. Um, what else did I say? Uh, if you want to change everything, you can go in a different direction. You can, regardless of your age. That is also true. They don't all take that tack, but that is definitely true. Um, and they're not mourning their youth. 
not mourning their youth, but maybe mourning the expectations they have for their own lives, I would say. Let me tell you this. These women are a mess. <laughs> I really wanted them to have it together. They don't have it together. They are emotionally all over the place. All over the place. <laughs> to the point where I'm like, oh my God, this girl's crazy. Like, there is not one moment where one of them doesn't have some sort of complete like break like where they're like like one of them has it at least once an episode like where you're just like what is going on I need you to get it together like and irrational at times very irrational highly overly overly emotional I'm just kind of like I don't know if I like this depiction either of women in this age group um this is also a show that I don't know what it's about I don't know what this show's about I don't know what themes they're trying to explore. Aside from friends, friendship, like friendship is a very strong theme. Okay, so let me say, okay, clearly I'm working out the review as I'm telling you guys. Friendship is definitely a theme. Self-acceptance is a theme. Pivoting is a theme. Love definitely is a theme. Um, But I still don't know what the story is. Like, what is the story here? Like, what are we really saying? Uh... But it was fun and I definitely enjoyed watching it. Um, I don't know what's going to come next. It ended on a cliffhanger. Didn't really feel finished when I finished it. Um, and I would definitely watch a, se a second season just to see what the heck happens. Because I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's global. I, watch it. If you liked shows like Sweet Magnolias and Virgin River, I would watch it. I would watch it. If, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got for this one. <laughs> um, and then for the final project of this episode, for What's Up Next, I chose a film called The Voyeurs. And it stars Sydney Sweeney, Ben Hardy, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, and Justice Smith. So, The Voyeurs is a sexy twister of a movie. It's very sexy. Um, it had all the ups and downs a movie can have, including multiple plot twists. But the more I thought about it, um, it also had some gaping holes in the plot, especially toward the end. So essentially what's going on here is there's a young couple. They move into this beautiful loft in downtown Montreal. Um, they find themselves living across from a couple that seems to be living out in the open, like meaning they do not close their drapes like ever. Who are these people? Like, even if you're high up in the air, like if there are buildings across from you, why would you not close your draperies? Like, why do we need to have the whole entire world in on your business? And I say the whole entire world, but I mean your neighbors. So this the whole point of view is uh, observing these this couple, these people from their safe space, which is their their place, right? And they too find themselves like watching the couple do all kinds of things, like all kinds, okay? Um, the man who we come to find out, his name is Sebastian, is a photographer and is literally constantly par parading models into and out of his home while his wife, who seems to travel for business, is away. Um... Sydney Sweeney and Justice Smith are the young couple who are doing the observers, observing. They are the voyeurs. And um, 
she, Sydney Sweeney's character, her name is Pippa. Um, they literally become addicted to watching this couple. More so Pippa, so Sydney Sweeney's character, than Justice Smith's character. So, okay, weird, right? Like, watching your neighbors seems like a surefire way to prove that you need a life. And truthfully, Pippa does. Like, she really does need a life. She becomes obsessed even after her boyfriend pleads for her to move on from this weird fetish. But she only kind of falls deeper into the voyeurism until she meets with the woman who they have affectionately named Margot. Her real name is actually Julia. Uh, her friendship with Julia seems random and unlikely, but Pippa's knowledge of Sebastian's extracurricular activities eats at her until she finally tells her what she knows. And she does this arbitrarily, which leads to a perceived tragedy. From that point on, everything you think you know goes out the window, including the fact that we all thought Pippa had some common sense or self-respect, <laughs> which it turns out she does not. At least, nope, she doesn't. I stand by it. Based on her actions, you realize, like, like I said, she really doesn't. She, she really, really, really doesn't. But the question becomes, who's wrong here? I'll leave you to draw your own conclusions regarding that, but... Um, let me just say, warnings for nudity, um, sex, and language. Uh, the Voyeurs is now streaming on Amazon Prime globally, I believe. But yeah, globally. Um, also, I would say watch it. Like, it's sexy good time. It gives a little Fifty Shades, but not quite. Did I say it's... Fifty Shades is better? Might be. Might be. Or they could be along the same the same vein, for sure. Yeah. All right, so welcome to what's happening in Hollywood. So the segment that gives you all the tea, all the behind the scenes, all the what's up, what's going on in Hollywood. You love how I just constantly change. Well, I told you all I change my accents up <laughs> all the time. I just be talking. I just do it. It's whatever. You have learned to love it because that's why you're still here. In any case, <laughs> I was telling you that I was going to get into awards and the Emmys just, just, just happened. So I'm going to quickly go through some of the nominations and I'm going to tell you who actually ended up winning. So the Emmys were on September 19th and there were tons of shows and actors nominated for their portrayals in their respective roles. Some of the most notable nominations were Outstanding Comedy Series, Ted Lasso. We are definitely going to be talking about that show in episode 10. I love that show. It's super, super funny. Uh, in the same category was Emily in Paris from Netflix. Of course, they had me at Paris. Um, I was going to watch this. Sh- <laughs> like, I was obviously going to watch the show. Like, I miss Paris almost every day. Um, five of the male actors from Ted Lasso were nominated, including Jason Sudeikis and my favorite, Brett Goldstein. Uh, not to be outdone, the two main female leads, Juno Temple and Hannah Waddington, were also nominated. I literally can't wait to talk about the show. Love it so much. For Outstanding Drama Series, Bridgerton. Uh, the Mandalorian, This Is The Way, Lovecraft Country and The Boys are some of the notable nom- nominees um, for that series. 
reg I mean so for that category reggae Jean Page and Jonathan Majors were nom both nominated for their roles in Bridgerton and Lovecraft Country Journey, Sm uh, Journey Smollett picked up a nomination for Lovecraft Country and Giancarlo Esposito picked up a nomination for his guest starring role on The Mandalorian. Tobias Menzies earned one as well for his work on The Crown. For an anthology series uh, that picked up nominations are Mare of Easttown, I May Destroy You, The Queen's Gambit, and WandaVision, all extremely excellent choices. The acting choices in the female actors uh, in that category was literally impossible. Like, literally impossible. Like, who would want to have to choose between these women? Kate Winslet, Cynthia Erivo, Anya Taylor-Joy, Elizabeth Olsen, and Michaela Cole. Like, I did not envy the judges. Now, who won? Who won? So, Ted Lasso came away with huge wins um, for both acting and for the show. Um, Meredith Easttown came away big as well. Um, Michaela Cole won for I May Destroy You for writing. Um, I'm so, I was super excited that Brett Goldstein, who's my favorite actor from Ted Lasso, he won. Um, The Crown was tied with The Mandalorian for most nominated drama series. Um, Where The Crown came out as the the big winner there. Some of the notable losers, WandaVision, The Mandalorian, and Lovecraft Country, all very genre-related series, and surprisingly, they were nominated, but they did not make it to the podium. And of course, there were some issues with diversity. It was This was probably the most diverse set of nominees, um, but none of that was capitalized on. They, none of those, none of... N almost none of the diverse actors who were and writers etc directors who were nominated made it to the podium so of course emmy so white was trending and there has been a lot said about the lack of diversity in the awards when they were actually handed out but anyway that's what was up with the emmys for 2021 so back to the news on October 28th, a new season of HBO Max's hit series, Love Life, starts. This is season two. It features a new love story, but it does wrap up the one from season one, which starred Anna Kendrick. Um, I wasn't thinking that this was going to be an anthological series, but I'm really glad that it is. I really, really, really enjoyed season one of Love Life. Like, really, really enjoyed it. Um, also this October, a new season of Lock and Key starts on October 22nd on Netflix. The trailer premiered on the 14th of September. The trailer for season one of Hawkeye has dropped. It dropped on the 13th. And though I previously reported that November 21st would, November 24th would be the start for Hawkeye, it actually will premiere on Disney Plus on October 24th. It's the start of spooky season and Netflix has kicked it off and is out the gate running with their new movie Night Books, which uh, came out on September 15th. Also, the trailer for Ava DuVernay's Colin Kaepernick biopic uh, series um, named Colin in Black and White is out now and, re and will premiere later this year. Uh, the sequel to the Tom Hardy-helmed Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has a new release date. Sony has moved the release of the production from October 15th to October 1st. It will be in theaters October 1st. Um, 
In a surprise return, Dr. Addison Montgomery, played by Kate Walsh, is coming back to Grey's Anatomy for season 18. If you are a fan of Kate Walsh in her role as Dr. Addison Montgomery, you should be celebrating and cheering because she is back on Grey's Anatomy. It's going to be interesting to see how her character plays out, but I stopped watching that show. It's way too emotional for me. Like, jeez, like sucker punch in the gut every single week. Lord, I can't keep crying all the time. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we knew this would happen. A Jungle Cruise sequel is officially in the works at Disney. Uh, John Cena's The Peacemaker, one of the characters from James Gunn's Suicide Squad, is getting his own series and set photos have dropped. The show will air on HBO Max. A hit, the hit show Succession, um, makes its return on October 17th. The trailer is currently out now. Uh, the West Side Story trailer is also out. You can jump on and jump on YouTube for all of these. Like, definitely do it or visit the production companies, the individual production companies or streaming service or studios pages on Instagram for the trailers. You'll be able to see them there. I really can't believe I haven't talked about this yet, but the trailer for The Wheel of Time is out now. I've already seen it 783 times. Um, here is what we know. Season one will premiere on November 19th with three episodes. Color me geeked. Um, We will then get one new episode every Friday until December 24th. When the season wraps, it will be a Merry Christmas. Uh, Netflix, and that's going to be, like I said, on Amazon Prime. Netflix has announced, has finally announced the premiere date for the new season of Love is Blind. Love that show. Uh, Season two kicks off February 2022. And finally, let's get ready for Netflix's global fan event. Uh, It's called Tadum. You know, like at the beginning of like when you open Netflix and you see the big N and it's like, Tadum. That's the name of the event. It's brilliant. I swear the people at Netflix be like geniuses. I also feel like the people at Marvel and Disney are low-key geniuses too, especially Marvel. But um, so, so smart. Anyway, uh, that starts um, on the 25th. So that'll be what, this Saturday? Um, And this will have premiered by then. This episode will be out by then. So hopefully if you listen to it, you know that this has happened. Uh, You log on, log on to YouTube. I'm pretty sure on the Netflix account, YouTube account, you'll be able to get previews, interviews, and panels featuring your favorite Netflix stars and creative teams behind all of the projects that Netflix offers. You'll be able to catch it during their event. ta I just want to do it. That's dumb. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's it for what's happening and what was up, what is up, what's going on in Hollywood. (laughs) Well, you know what that means. It's time for Twitter me laughing. And these are all tweets about the show Clickbait. So as I said, Twitter was the reason why I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. Even though I had reported on this on the weekend roundup and I knew exactly when the show came out, it took me a bit to get started. Um, But then I saw these tweets emerge and I was like, oh, I'm definitely watching. Anyway, first tweet is this. Raise your hand if clickbait, 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 what is a clickbait? Anyway, clickbait had you stressed. (laughs) Yeah, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to figure this one out. 
The story definitely played me. It played me. So much misdirection. And like I said, in the end, I still blame Nick. But what did Twitter have to say about it? At As Told by Amber tweeted, raise your hand if you were convinced it was Matt until episode eight. Until episode eight. I was. I was convinced it was Matt. I'm like, it's always the best friend. At XO Das XO tweeted, I thought I had it all figured out. Turns out I don't know ish. <laughs> Facts. At Lucy tweeted, a very aggressive pick with a caption, me to the creators of clickbait Netflix, hashtag clickbait Netflix, because they had me thinking my boy Nick was the bad guy. Like, uh. At Marilyn tweeted a pic of Squidward walking out the door with the caption, me, when Emma Beasley found out Nick had other mistresses. Um, girl, he is married. A laugh out loud. And there are so many more. You just have to go through the hashtag clickbait or clickbait Netflix just to see what people had to say. But fundamentally, people were confused. They were angry. They were twisted. They were discombobulated. And they were here for every single moment. Overall, everyone really enjoyed the show, as did I. You got to check out Clickbait on Netflix. Well, when we end with Clickbait or we end with Twitter me laughing, I jumped all the, I jumped through those tweets so quickly. Like, I really thought I had way more than that, but I didn't. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are at the end of the episode. And I just always have to say, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming to getting to the end with me. We have finished another episode and there is only one episode left for this season. One episode left for this season. Amazing, right? I can't believe we did it, guys. We made it to the end of the season. Um, And I just really want to thank every single one of you uh, who has downloaded, who has shared and who has listened, who has given me feedback. And told me what you thought, told me what you loved, told me what you didn't like. Um, and just thank you. There's so much more in store for this show. And yeah, you know how I feel about my besties. I love all of y'all. I love y'all. Anyway, that's it. I'm out. It's your girl, Nikki, also known as Nicole. This is the Obsessible Podcast. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye.